Welcome to a 2015 Traumatic Brain Injury Consumer Conference podcast, sponsored by Kessler Foundation and Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. Guest speaker, Ernest Earhart, IBDM, IMD, NMD. The Earhart Center for Integrative Medicine presents The Brain and Nutrition. This presentation was recorded on Thursday, September 24th, 2015, and was hosted by the Northern New Jersey Traumatic Brain Injury System with support from the National Institute of Disability, Independent Living and Rehabilitation Research, Administration for Community Living, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Washington, D.C., grant number H133A120030030. Dr. Earhart is a TBI survivor who holds board certifications in both integrative medicine and integrative biological dentistry. He is also a naturopathic medical doctor who, in 2014, won the Higher Achievement Award from the American Naturopathic Medical Association. In July 2005, he opened his own practice, the Earnhardt Center for Integrative Medicine where he treats numerous metabolic disorders, as well as treating and reversing type 2 diabetes. In addition to his busy clinical practice, he is also the founder of Basking in Nutrition, a nutraceutical and health food store in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Dr. Earnhardt is a dynamic and sought-after speaker at a medical and dental conferences around the country, and we're very happy to have him with us here today. So please offer a warm welcome for Dr. Earnhardt. Thank you. Thank you very much. So how are we doing today? Is everybody happy? Good. I just want to say that that was a, a, a wonderful introduction to myself and, and just to say that I'm here to give you a picture and an understanding of nutrition and of brain health and I'm also here to give you your personal understanding of going through the trauma of a head injury sometimes becomes a thought that isn't so positive. So what I want to do for you is I want to first tell you that in 1983 I was hit by a car. I was in a coma for 14 days. I was in a hospital for 31 days and as I did that I came out and when I got out of the hospital they said oh you made a miraculous recovery. In the process of doing that I was questioning everything under the sun. I really thought that there was many different ways of getting treated and I'm going to go through all of the things that I thought, but I want to say this particular institution is amazing. The people that are here to support you, the people that are here to help you are of highest regard and have a great deal of experience and they're explicit in their experience because they're able to help a person as the person who they are and were and it's an amazing group of people and the person that I have to mention is Richard A. Sullivan. He was the head of this institution and when I was here in 1984 
Uh, I was actually in Kessler East, not in this facility. And that man came to me and he said, I know what you want to do. I know that you can be a professional. You're a brilliant guy. We want to help you. And he talked to my father. And they gave me, you know, help because it was a frightening condition with a lot of unknown outcomes. What was going to happen to me? How was I going to adapt and adjust? So it motivated me more than you could ever believe. I went through three years of college and two. I went through all different types of medical exams and tests, and, and, I, and I went through Columbia University. I was in a PhD program at Rutgers University, and then I was pulled out of that by one of the head of Columbia University, uh, and he brought me into uh, a integrative medical program in Georgetown. I started to do more and more work, and Richard Sullivan, who was from here, gave me a great deal of uh, faith and helped me to, to, to go through this particular problem with a great deal of motivation. Now, it's important to know that the first person or the people that are closest to you are basically your family members. Uh, the people that are here are close to you. Uh, physical rehabilitation, physical therapists, psychologists, neuropsychologists, occupational therapy. Medical evidence-based nutrition wasn't around then. My entrance to, to, to you today is going to be to show you some things that you'll do, and as you'll see at the end of uh, this, there's recipes to help you. And I mean they will help you. The players in your healthy lifestyle. Well, this institution helped me to write a book called Optimal Energy for the New Language of Health, which will be released soon. And the players in your healthy lifestyle are some of the people here in this room, hopefully myself, some of your best friends, some of your brothers and sisters, and your parents, and your relatives. Those are going to be the people that are important for you to be close to. Now, if you're in the hospital for an extended period of time, you're unconscious, like I was unconscious for two weeks, um, you're going to go through the normal allopathic scale of getting treated, and that's important. You're going to have medications, you're going to have analgesics, anti-anxiety drugs, anti-convulsants, antidepressants, antipsychotics, anticoagulants, muscle relaxants, a host of things that are going to be before you that you're going to have to use at some point point in time. Now, obviously we can look at the Glasgow Coma Scale and we can look at the Glasgow Outcome Scale and, and, and those, are, those are things that, um, well, we don't want to be, we want to look at the things that we have and we want to understand how we're classified and designated, but then after you get out of the hospital, what do you do now? You have to think positive. What do I do now? What should I eat now? Can I drink? Can I do this? Can I eat specifically? Or should I eat specifically? And do I have confusion, anger, or post-traumatic stress? Well, everyone's going to have some form of post-traumatic stress, without a doubt. Anyone that says that they don't is not helping themselves. Now, 
When I came out of the hospital, nobody told me what I should do. Nobody said anything to me. Oh, you, you, you'll be okay. Just go home. So I went home. And thank God for my parents. Thank God for what they did. Thank God for some friends. Thank God for a lot of people. Just like all of you here, I thank you all for being here. And I hope that there can be what happens in the next few slides, something that gives you such enlightenment that you will have an understanding of, here's what I should do now. Now, in, in the field of, of nutrition and having an understanding of what to do for yourself, this is Kessler Quotes, and <clears throat> that's an old, old, um, that was July and August of 1984. And I had just left Kessler Institute, and what they did is they actually took what I, how I spoke and what I said, I, I wrote a letter to them and they published it. Um, at your leisure, you can certainly read it. It covers everything about thanking the whole staff, thanking the psychology department, thanking Richard Sullivan, thanking all the, those people under the direction of Richard Sullivan, and thanking each and every person that was close to me, but helping me to understand that this traumatic brain injury, not only did it affect me, but it affected all those people that were around me. It affected how they were going to react to me. As you all do know, that is what happens. When we look at the, at the brain, and in, in the process of, of, of explaining a complicated topic to you quickly, when we look at the brain, and we map its areas, especially when we, if I, if I go to, from the very back of the brain to the, to the cerebellum, to the occipital lobe, to the parietal, to, uh, to the temporal, and to the frontal lobe of, of the human brain, it's sitting in some fluid in the cranium, and it's, it's supposed to stay there, and that cerebral spinal fluid is going to maintain the integrity of that outer layer of brain, the cerebral cortex. And so when I got out of that hospital again, the symptoms and the prognosis were glim like a flickering light before entering a dark tunnel with an unknown destination. I was scared. I was also angry. But I was able to say, I can take this and I can take these, this whole situation, I'm gonna make the best out of it. And I did. And I will continue to do that. Now, when I got hit by a car, what happened to me is my brain went up this way. I had a contusion here. I had contusions here. I had a subdural hematoma over here. My point of impact was right there. I had a fractured skull in the left lesser occipital. I had a contusion from the brain going up this way and then going forward that way. I had bilateral contusions in the frontal lobe, one asymmetrical. When I woke up, I didn't know where I was or who I was. It was a devastating outcome. But as you can see, we forge ahead to be as positive as possible. Now we're going to get to, uh, I'm going to tell some jokes. No, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. All right. Now, 
there we have the central nervous system and there we have next to the central nervous system in the nutritional nomenclature the understanding of taking care of our central nervous system and giving it what it needs as a simple example is let's say you're driving your car at night or you're in someone else's car and you have night blindness that night blindness is because you have issues in the occipital lobe or maybe there isn't enough beta carotene that's getting to you and you squint well the central nervous system needs B vitamins and it needs vitamin C the brain and the spinal cord need fats fats that are specific there is a fat that's called the sphingolipid which I'm going to discuss a little bit further and that sphingolipid is what takes care of the entire myelin sheath the myelin sheath is very very important for nerve muscle conduction and it's important for all the messages and the transmission of neurotransmitters so certain types of fats are extremely important in any rehabilitation of a concussion a traumatic brain injury a spinal injury receptors receive messages or signals on protein bodies in America I just want to interject one thing everybody eats too much animal protein and then when they eat too much animal protein and don't, they don't use the animal protein, then the proteins that are supposed to be on in their specific sites don't function. So the signals don't register. So the person is numb. They don't sense or feel what they're supposed to be feeling. It's like a blocked nerve pathway. You know, one of the things that I have said in, in, in one, of the, one of my writings is that confusion is the beginning of illness. Organization is the key to genius. So you have to understand that. And now when we have our nerve cells and we have our neurons and we have minerals that convert into ions and ions are what carry those messages to our cells. And again, neurotransmitters are chemicals that communicate between two cells and nerve and muscle cells. And that's all important because just like what was Bill was doing, it's very, very important to say that I have to take care of my skeleton, I have to take care of uh, my whole system, and I have to do some exercise. And he was pointing out some really important things that I could be up here talking to all of you all day long. Now, do you, does anyone think that food affects your memory? It does, doesn't it? How does it affect your memory if you don't eat well? Can anyone tell me? right if you have a depletion in reserve energy or if you have a depletion in water soluble elements like B vitamins like vitamin C like amino acids are they're not fat soluble neurotransmitters are not fat soluble now if if I if I take if I give you after after any accident a concussion even a concussion you take too much sugar and you drink alcohol uh, that's going to dehydrate you and if it dehydrates you, it makes those cells that are supposed to communicate amongst one another, it stops them from communicating. What do you think sugar does to your blood? It thickens it. If it thickens your blood, can it give conduction? Can it transmit information? No, it's likely that it'll, it'll, it'll run into some form of a problem. Now, 
when we have the loss of vitamin B1, vitamin B1 is a very important B vitamin. Thiamine. Thiamine is responsible for many things throughout the nervous system. It's responsible for your memory. It's responsible for all the nerve muscle conduction in the cerebellum. So it's responsible for fine motor activity. And anytime there's an injury in the cerebellum or even in certain areas of the parietal lobe, that can affect the hand-eye coordination. So that vitamin can stop that. Now, vitamin B3 is important for dilating and opening up the blood vessels. It can, it can break down fats. It does lots of great things. Vitamin B4, which is choline, which is half of the lecithin molecule, and that helps to emulsify and break down fat, and that's good for your memory. Very good for the memory. Vitamin B5 is good for the autoimmune system. It's good for the adrenal glands, and it's going to help you uh, to produce acetylcholine. But if, again, if you're eating these things like sugar and drinking alcohol right after a head injury, that's not a bright thing to be doing. I wouldn't tell anyone to do that. So now we go through here and we can look at these vitamins also affecting the speech in the frontal lobe from the frontal lobe damage. Now, anyone ever come out of the hospital and then all of a sudden go eat raw fish? No. So we don't have uh, sushi people here? No one likes sushi? Okay, there we oh, See, look at that. Everybody likes sushi. So now, when I was in the hospital, I didn't have any problems with, uh, I had paralysis in the beginning. I had some, some problems with my speech, uh, and, and I had retrograde amnesia and anterior grade amnesia. I didn't have an ataxia, except I started eating raw fish. Then I had an ataxia. No one at the hospital told me anything about that. That binds vitamin B1 specifically in the cerebellum of the brain and affects the parietal uh, lobe also in the brain. I can give you proof of that all day long. And so that caused an ataxia to me. It also can affect short-term memory and, 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 and it can have, give you a problem with retrieval of old memories, retrograde amnesia, and it can also at times really affect your short-term memory. So these two foods right here, look at that egg. See that? That's an, that's an egg yolk and that's soft. We want to eat that egg yolk soft because it happens to have that sphingolipid in it that I told you about before. This particular food right here, the egg is to protein as liver is to nutrition. These two foods are packed with every known nutrient on this earth. Yes? No, no, no. Omega-3 capsules would not cause a, would not cause a thiaminase disturbance. You see, when you eat a raw piece of fish, it's lacking an enzyme, and it binds to thiamine, and it stops thiamine from converting. So omega-3, decosase pentanoic acid and ecosase pentanoic acid, make omega-3, and that's a capsule that you're taking, that's going to break down your fats. That's not going to do anything to your, uh, adversely affect you.
So the other reason that I'm pointing these two foods out is not only do they have the sphingolipids, the good fats, they have uh, B vitamins, they have A, a vitamin A, there's vitamin E, um, there's, there's from B1 straight through to B12, and these are great at enriching the blood. They're also excellent for memory. Okay, anytime a person has a problem with their memory, when they eat these foods, it will greatly improve them. And what's important about those sphingolipids is along with the B vitamins, they are all going to come together to help to rebuild those brain cells. And they're gonna help also to maintain circulation. And when you have good circulation, and when we get to what we call the biological value, if you're eating a food that makes you tired, what do you think that means? Is that good for you? We're not talking about Thanksgiving either, okay? That's a foul statement anyway, sorry. Um, the highest biological value of, of food comes from these two foods and many other foods. Let's say if I look at vegetables. If I take spinach, or if I take kale, or if I take now, Obviously, in the nomenclature of nutrition, if I eat spinach raw, that can build up oxalate. So I'm not telling you to eat spinach raw, eat it cooked. It's full of Bs, it's full of vitamin C, it's full of calcium, but it's absorbable when it's cooked. Don't overcook it, because then it becomes stringy, and gets caught in your teeth, you don't want that either. But chop it up and eat it. But again, the highest biological value means the highest protein efficiency ratio which means the least amount of calories and the greatest amount of biological energy. So if I eat something that's going to give me energy, then that energy is going to transport nutrients to my cells, and my cells are going to regenerate and heal. That's the most important part of wound healing, especially after a traumatic brain injury. So again, I'm saying eat the yolk soft. We don't want to harden the egg yolk because if we harden the egg yolk, then that cholesterol turns into an oxide. But now, let me ask you this about cholesterol. Is cholesterol bad for a head injury? Somebody answer that question, anybody? No, no it isn't. That's exactly right. Why do you think that's, that is? I'm sorry? Right, but what, what, is, what is the foundation for every cell in the human body? Cholesterol. Right. So if you're going to regenerate a nerve and someone tells you, oh, watch your cholesterol, you're eating too many eggs and liver, and you were just unfortunately head injured or, or injured somewhere, somewhere in, in the cerebrum, that's wrong. You need, look, if I, if I look at the cholesterol quotient and I say low-density lipoprotein, triglyceride, and HDL, the low-density lipoprotein brings cholesterol to the cell. The HDL takes it away. The triglycerides are there as, as, as lipids bound to fat. You need that LDL cholesterol, so you need some fat, but the, the fats in an egg yolk are excellent. And they're for the central nervous system, the brain and the spinal cord, and for the nerve pathways also in the digestive tract. That's one of the ways I've been able to take diabetics and reverse their diabetes, because I regenerate their nerve pathways. If you eat something and you feel fatigued, is that food good for you? No, not at all. If, if it makes you fatigued and if you drink too much when you eat, what does that do to the pH of your stomach? It raises it. 
If, if the pH of your stomach is higher, do you digest better? No. Right. Who said that? Who said no? Good. <laughs> well, maybe we should introduce Dr. Victoria Rand Biller. She's brilliant, and she knows that. Okay. So phospholipids, phosphatidylcholine, in eggs and liver, and these are um, important for the nerves and important for the musculature. And in the human body, yes? Yes, there are many supplements that you can take, um, dependent upon the situation. Omega-3 is great. Phosphatidylcholine is excellent. Now, omega-3 isn't going to affect how the liver is going to function. Phosphatidylcholine will. It actually helps the liver to function clear, cleanly, and it ha actually happens to thin out the blood and emulsify and break down fats. So if it does that, phosphatidylcholine, uh, other, other substances that are used are phosphatidylenethanolamine, phosphatidylserine. Uh, Those are, are also lipids that can be used for, as a supplement in the brain and for the central nervous system. Now, again, these brain foods, what they have and, and what they do, when we look at these eggs, they have, they're all full of B vitamins and folate. And one of the problems with folate, when a patient is on anticonvulsant medication, Let's say Dilantin, okay? Now, Dilantin lowers folate levels, and that's how it stops a seizure. That's its mechanism of action. So when a person is going to eat a lot of eggs or is going to eat foods that are high in folate and on an anticonvulsant medication, as long as they have a good B complex that has B6 in it, it'll counteract it. So when we have petite mole seizures or grand mole seizures, vitamin B6, pyridoxin or pyridoxal phosphate, the active ingredient, a B6 is what's most important in helping to stop a seizure. Now, um, again, B12, phospholipids, choline, inositol, and sphingomyelin. I'm kind of being repetitious, so you get this, okay? And salmon. Now, I don't want you going after salmon that says farm-raised. Anything that's farm-raised isn't good. You want to eat wild, okay? It has to be wild. If it's not wild, you don't want it. You really don't want it. Okay, and again, that's full of EPA and DHA. That's a good, you can get a salmon fish oil, and that's a good supplement, uh, and that's full of omega-3. Now, scallops. Scallops are also very, very good because they have a substance in them called myoglobin, which is similar to hemoglobin. Okay, it's found in muscle tissue. It carries oxygen, and it excretes carbon dioxide. So if it carries oxygen, that means it's going to make that blood red and get rid of that blue blood and that carbon dioxide. So we want that. Liver, calves liver and chicken liver. I know Jewish holidays are around now, so everyone eats, what do they eat? Chopped chicken liver. Okay, there you go. Okay, so you eat chopped chicken liver. Uh, that can be good for you. Flounder uh, is, is also very good. It's simple and easy. Now. When I look at the biological value of foods and how long it takes them to function and, and, and to build and, and transport energy, flounder, probably you can digest flounder in three hours. 
A piece of steak may take you 15 to 18 hours to convert to energy. So fish is always going to be faster in the uptake of energy and in the uptake of fats. Keep that in mind. Now we have shrimp. Shrimp is a little denser in fat. Nuts, we have almonds, walnuts, flax seeds. They're all very, very good. The problem that I see with nuts as a food scientist is that by law, it, takes them, it can take them two months to harvest the nuts. Then they can package the nuts and they can be packed for two years and still sell them. So do you want to buy food that's 26 months old? No, you have to find a good, good uh, place to find fresh nuts and seeds and so on and so forth. Spinach, broccoli, acerola, cherry, which is the highest substance of vitamin C on this earth. It's amazing how much that's full of vitamin C. And vitamin C is very important for your blood vessels to protect you against having a stroke or a clot and maintaining the elasticity of your blood vessels. That's really important. Unprocessed grains help to sustain serotonin. So this is a time when we do complex carbohydrate load and that helps to, to stop insomnia and helps a person to sleep more soundly. Yes? Okay, farm-raised is um, manipulated. It's kind of like saying, uh, is it okay if I genetically modify this, change the seed and do that? It's, it's, it's controlled and farm-raised is not good. When we have wild, it's in its own environment. It does its own thing and it's not manipulated. So the manipulation is for the worst, not the Right. Yes? That happens to be FD and C6, yes. Food dye coloring six, that's what they do with that. Okay. Right, well it's just like, I hate to say this, but shrimp right now is all genetically modified. Yes. Just a question on green foods. One thing that you don't mention that I've known has come around pretty well is like decaf coffee. With the PP2A essences of preservation there and preventing the demethylization of those that particular essence, is there any particular reason why that doesn't seem to be mentioned? I, I flipped through the whole thing here. Yes, because coffee, first and foremost, is going to react differently to everyone by their hydration levels. Okay, it's going to push through. It's going to affect their adrenal glands, and there's going to be caffeine even if it's decaffeinated. Correct. Decaffeinated still by law means it has 33% caffeine. That I do understand. Um, I mean, is there another method that you know of that would help in the preservation in particular with the PP2A levels in the brain? Because it is kind of still toyed around. I know there's a supplement that fits into the category, but at the same time, is there any other food sources that may Well, you could food? mix that at the same time with a form of calcium ascorbate which is ester C, and then, and then mix it with a uh, resveratrol or pine bark, and that will help it. That will definitely give it um, its stability. Okay, I know I don't have that much time left. Okay. Yes? For vegetarians? Well, for a vegetarian, then what you can do is you can find 
ungenetically modified soy, you can mix the soy with either rice or with almond or with flax. And if you mix the flax, the rice and the almond together with the soy, you'll have a complete protein so you have a higher biological value of things that are needed. Now, a, ve a vegetarian also, can you eat cheese? Okay, so then my first statement to you is by eating cheese, you have to eat cheese that has rennet in it, R-E-N-N-E-T, because that's a stomach enzyme that's gonna help you to break down that cheese, and that cheese is gonna help you to convert and, 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 and it's gonna give you what you need, that, that enzyme. And so there's a lot of things here that I'm saying. The reason that spinach, broccoli, acerola, papaya, guava, is a source of vitamin C, but each and every one of those foods have active enzymes in them. Yes, I'm sorry. Calves and chicken liver? Well, beef liver is older. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, if it's too old, it's going to be more toxic potentially. Uh, it is a regulating organ, and I can tell you as a food scientist, I've tested some of the older livers that are not calves' liver. And when I tested it in the urine of a human, I would see that the nitrogen would go up so really, really fast and really high and it looked like toxic levels of nitrogen, not, not good levels. Oh, so that's unhealthy for you then? Well, when it's liver. old, okay? But if you, have, if you have calves liver, it's younger, it's better for you. Or if you can get desiccated liver, that, that, that's good. Dedicate yourself to some desiccated liver. You'll be fine. Yes? I'm sorry? The unprocessed grains are gonna be like any oats, um, that are unprocessed. Um, you're going to have wheat that is not processed. Now realize everyone has gluten gliadin disturbances because when they process the, the grain of, of the wheat, it takes out the enzyme that breaks down the gluten. So you have to understand that everyone, oh, I have a wheat allergy. I have this, I have, I have this problem with wheat or, or gluten. It's because the protein that's in the endosperm of that wheat is taken out because when that sits in that silo, that endosperm and, the, and, and it's taken out, that protein is taken out from that endosperm, it's like useless. You don't, you don't get any energy out of it. You don't get any B vitamins out of it. And in normal wheat germ and, and other, other grains that you can use, um, you could use quinoa. You could use, um, I said oat. Barley, barley's good to a degree. Barley uh, is good, but barley has a lot of estrogen in it. Okay, we've tested that, and barley is... I'm going to make your voice turn very high. Sorry. Okay, so you don't want to take too much barley. But barley is good. Uh, green leafy vegetables, chlorophyll, magnesium. Uh, the green leafy vegetables are very important uh, because they are helping to produce hemoglobin. And I can tell you that all day long when, when I give diabetic patients more green leafy vegetables cooked correctly, their A1Cs go down sometimes by 
four or five points. So if I see someone that has an A1C of a 10 with an average blood sugar of, of over 200 and I give them these things and they take these things and they follow, all of a sudden they're a 5.7 six months later or less. Yes? cooking your vegetables in order for it to be considered cooked correctly? The amount of cooking. Well, what I would do is this. I would, I would take a skillet and I would put about one-eighth of an inch of water in the bottom of that. Then I would put either chopped onions or, or celery and I'd dice up the spinach and I'd put it in that way. And then maybe for flavor or for added spice, I would put either arugula. I'm sorry, not arugula. I would put Oregano, oregano, uh, oregano and, and some garlic and maybe some lemon. And you don't have to, I mean, it's going to take you maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but it's a slow cook. It's not a fast cook. For regular cook, without the slow cook. Like three minutes for vegetables or? No, 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 no. no. You, want, you want, I mean, depends on what you have. I mean, if you have a really good hot plate or whatever you're using, uh, those, those new, um, what are they, what are those, induction ovens? The induction? Yeah, th th those heat up very fast. You could probably do that in five or six minutes. But I would, I would you know, it, you're going to see it shrink. When you cook spinach, do you ever notice, well, gee, I had this big bag of spinach, and now, <laughs> like, where is it? Excuse me, let me get my, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't find it anymore. It's gone. So, did I answer your question? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. Like, for example, let's say broccoli. You want to cook broccoli in a regular stove. How well, what well, would broccoli, it be? Broccoli is going to easily take you 20 to 25 minutes if you, if you cook. But you're cooking. You're not, you're not going to overcook it. You have to cook it at a, at a level temperature. It has to be a slow temperature because if you cook it too fast, then it's going to dehydrate it. And then it's going to be mush. So... Uh, in this book that I've written, there is instructions, and, and I did give you some recipes that are on the back of that, so that should, hopefully that helps you. Thank you. Okay. Um, artichokes, liver function, good for the mood, and very good for cleaning out the liver like choline is, which we mentioned before as a fat. Um, components of healing the brain, this is a very important area. Again, the proper fats are from the liver and from the egg yolk. When we have that, we have glucose that's, that's stable, and when the glucose is stable, the blood is thinner and the oxygen levels are higher. And then we have minerals that are transporting messages, and then we have replication of DNA, and then we have stability in the cells. So when we have proper pH and we have all of these things, the proper fats, we have a balance of glucose and, and we, we have oxygen and, and minerals because we need these minerals from our vegetables. You're not going to get a lot of minerals from meat, fish, or poultry. It's not going to happen. From fish, you might get some potassium, okay? But you're not getting a lot of minerals from meat. DNA, pH, red blood cells, oxygen levels, and coagulation. What it all means is that when these things are in order, you have normal coagulation and you're going to have better healing. Now, when you, the air we breathe has nitrogen in it. If we eat too much animal protein like we do here in America, it raises the nitrogen levels in that, that reduces our oxygen levels, that causes problems in our skeletal system, it causes problems throughout 
the human body. And so what we have to do is have a balance between our proteins and our vegetables. We need to eat more green leafy vegetables. We need to eat red, purple vegetables. And we have to be careful of the light white, yellow, and orange vegetables because they're very sugary. And we also do, I'm getting, I, I know I'm, I'm sorry. It's a little, it, it's, it, there's not going to be any, any room for questions. Rutin, grapeseed, pycnogenol, vitamin C, this stops a stroke and it's, it helps to protect the outer layer of the brain, the cerebral cortex. It maintains the vascularity also of the retina and, and that's important because we don't want pressure on our eyes. So blood vessel elasticity is that area right there. Quickly, uh, B-complex, central nervous system, brewer's yeast is an amazing substance for taking care of yourself. It's an amazing substance to, to, to build up the cells and to help with all the energetics and the neurotransmitter syntheses. It, it, it helps to protect the mucosa of the intestines. It stops the mucosal lining from wearing down. And if the mucosal lining in your digestive system is worn down, you don't absorb. You don't get energy out of your food. So it's important to know that brewer's yeast is a great food. You can put that in a little bit of apple juice and some water and, and stir it up and mix it, and it works very well. It's great for your energy. It's great for cognition. It's fantastic for uh, any concentration or any focus that you need to have. It's good for that. Cianol is in a clonia cava extract. This was the first patented uh, substance um, that, that was made and, and, and it's beneficial for circulation, for heart, lungs, memory, hand-eye coordination, and uh, that'll help the parietal lobe. Vitamin C with root and bioflavonoids, it helps sleep. Inositol is good for a calming effect. It's half of the lecithin molecule. It's important for the brain and the nerves. It's found in grapefruit and organ meat. And inositol is also used for calming and sleep. Well, valerian root can be, can be used. Valerian root is, is excellent, so is chamomile. Uh, you know, there's lots of things that you can use as, as a calmer. Um, you can also, you can also uh, use that Cianol Aclonia Cava extract that, does, that also does help. Again, back to the brain for a short second. Short-term memory is very important. It is the beginning of the learning process. It basically has a capacity of seven plus or minus two and a duration of about 30 seconds. So it's important in the learning process to pay attention to that. And there you go to what your neurological menus. Please take those menus, use them. Uh, if you have any questions at any time, you can always get in touch with myself or anyone at my office, or you can also get in touch with a lot of people here, and they can get you in touch with me, okay? Any thoughts or questions? Thank you, Dr. Earnhardt.